Hi, I'm Alina. And I'm Shannon. And you're listening to Bare Roots, the podcast that unearths the truth. Allegedly. Welcome back to our podcast. We hello, are officially hello. on episode number two. I'm so excited. Shannon, how are you feeling? I am pumped for this week's episode because we're really digging in deep on a really badass woman. Honestly, such a badass woman. I am so excited to talk about her. And also, our fans have just been wanting her. Um, We kind of, I think, alluded to the fact that this episode was going to be one that the people wanted, and we're here to give the people what they want. And that episode is... Amelia Earhart. Woohoo! I feel like she is just a crowd favorite. Even in this time of 2020, every decade, people love her. And I, through researching her, I'm just like a big fan. Right, right. Because, you know, you, you get the story when you're young. She's yeah. a woman pilot. She disappears at, you know, trying to get around the world. But when you get into more of the details, like, wow, she was actually so cool. Talking about her is going to be so fun. Like, all I can think is just hashtag girl boss, hashtag... <laughs> girl power. I'm just like so obsessed with her. And I kind of wish I was obsessed with her earlier. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really downplayed it. Right. I'm just so amazed by her and her accomplishments and her career. It's just so cool. You know, when they ask you the question, if you could talk to someone dead or alive, I think she would be a really good top contender for me. Yeah, that'd be a really good one. Right? She definitely would have a very interesting story to tell Mm -hmm. that we would all want to hear. Exactly. And just so progressive in the time that she was in. Like, literally in an industry full of men back in, like, the early 1930s. Like, kidding me? How Mm -hmm. rare is that? Like, you just don't hear about that at all. She was really ahead of her time. She really was. She really was. We're just so excited to talk about her. And I guess we should just kind of dive right in, shall we? Let's get into it. So starting off bio, she was born in Kansas on July 24th, 1897. And when I read that, I was like, oh wow, that was a long time ago. But then I thought 1897, that's how people are going to think about us. That is us. She is us. And when we, we get are later her. into the 2000s, like people are going to be, wow, you were born in the 1900s. Exactly. That's old. I know, that is kind of crazy. I also picture when I hear the word 1800, whatever, whatever, I picture like Civil War. And I mean, what, her parents could have easily been through it. Definitely her grandparents. Yeah. Like 30 years. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just like, so crazy to me to think that she was in the 1800s, but then lived Mm -hmm. in like this modern era modern era yeah i would also like to add that when researching her that she was a tomboy which definitely makes sense growing Mm -hmm. up as a kid i mean a woman you know in this like male dominant industry you know Mm -hmm. you kind of would suspect she may be a tomboy and that she kept a scrapbook of successful young women in male dominated fields like production law and management i'm just thinking oh my god what an inspiring child already getting her vision board so endearing i just again I love it I love that she just looked up at these successful young women and was like if they can do it like I can too so inspiring I just right I just can't right so in December of 1920 um so she was 23 uh she took a 10 minute flight at an air show that changed her life and the quote is 
from her. By the time I had got two or three hundred feet off the ground, I knew I had to fly. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. And I think I read, I didn't write it down, but I think I read that she was a nurse like before that. She had a couple of other yes. jobs. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. She was a nurse. And then she ended up being a social worker in Boston. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's just such a career woman. Yeah. Also helping people. Essentially, that's really what it comes down to being like a nurse and a social worker like Mm -hmm. she's all about the people um so six months after being in a plane for the absolute first time she began taking flying lessons and she bought her first plane six months after that when i read that i was shocked yeah wow this girl was she was really hooked (laughs) yeah (laughs) the money to buy herself her plane imagine i was curious about that too like did she actually buy her plane or did her parent like did she come from money yeah parents buy it i don't know i didn't i I did find that like a little suspicious like how was she again 23 maybe 24 already bought her first plane yeah what like i just i can only imagine especially back then like because they were so scarce it must have been even more expensive right yeah i mean for sure. I Like, For sure. so insane. So I, I agree. I have some questions. Like, how did this happen? <laughs> and maybe we should have looked into them. <laughs> <laughs> TBD on the family life. <laughs> We're talking um, about Amelia today. Right, right, right. So she became the 16th female pilot in history, which is wild. Can you imagine being the 16th of something? Yeah. Ever? Yeah. I honestly, though, did you not believe that she was the first one? I did kind of think she was the first one. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, 16 is amazing, <laughs> and that is an accomplishment. Kudos in the world, but low-key, were we not all taught in school that she was, like, the first one? Well, she, we were, yeah, so I think our little brains interpreted that way, but <laughs> she definitely was the first to do a lot of things in a plane. She was just not yeah. the first to fly one. In 1920. Right. First video. Right. Yeah, yeah. In 1922, she achieved the world altitude record for women at 14,000 feet. And I just want to point out, 1922 is just two years after she first was in a plane. Yeah. Not even riding the plane. Not, not driving the plane. Or driving. Yeah. 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 She was just riding passenger. And two years later, she's top in charts. Yeah. That's actually really crazy. I wonder how much time she spent learning. How many hours mm-hmm. a week do you think she had to be up in that plane to get to progress that fast? Because it wasn't even until... Yeah, so, okay, so it was two years since she had been in a plane, but it was six mm-hmm. months when she started flying. So it was just right. a year and a half since she started flying. Yeah, was there schooling back then? Like, I'm sure there was, like, the most minimal. Or was it maybe oh. you needed to know someone to, you know, like, who had a plane? One of, yeah, yeah. One of the Wright brothers signed her flight. Um, oh my god, no way. Yeah, flight, I don't even know, flight license? Yeah, yeah, that seems appropriate. <laughs> Which I thought was insane. That Can is actually imagine? really crazy. What a small world. <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> funny that he's still, you know, they were alive. Right. And then six years later, she got an offer to become the first woman to fly across the Atlantic with Bill Stoltz and Louis Gordon. Yep. Um, they took the flight in June and successfully made it from Wales to New York. President Coolidge held a reception and three other women previously did um, try, but they did not succeed at this. So, Isn't that crazy that she was offered, you know, like, would you like to do this? Like these yeah. two guys and like become like the first woman to do it, but not even the first attempt. Three other people had tried before her. Yeah. Like I did read, and I'm pretty sure it was in regards to this 
she complained about her role because she said it was no better than being a sack of potatoes. <laughs> like she wasn't really doing much on this flight, which really does suck. But which, technically she was the first woman to be in a plane to cross the Atlantic. Yeah. But I don't think and she it, was doing stuff tech like technical things. It definitely makes sense because I that flight is just kind of one of those things that I don't want to say it's not in her like own like career history things, but I could understand why that they didn't emphasize that, oh, like she's right. the first woman to fly. Because again, she had those two other people and why we'll dive into it, the flight that she actually took, why it was such a big deal, because yeah. she was manning it. So in 1931, she married George Putnam. I mean, he wasn't, he wrote a lot about her in the press, and he was worked with her for public appearances, and it took as many as six proposals from him, and they called it a partnership with dual control. So that was pretty progressive. <laughs> Totally. I know. When I read that, I was oh wow, like she is not going to be a housewife. She's not taking on those traditional roles. She'll marry, but again, it's not about like male dominating her Mm -hmm. and like what she's going to do and like with her career. So progressive. Yeah. And I was actually reading um, and I saw some actual letters from her to newspapers and magazines who they used her name as Mrs. Putnam. Mm-hmm. And she wrote them back saying, can you please call me Amelia Earhart? Because that's like my flight name. And I don't want Mrs. Putnam in any other publications. It's like, oh my God. Damn. Damn. Um, that's like her stage name. Yeah. But her actual name. I also read that, so her nickname was Lady Lindy after Lindenberg, who was like her male counterpart. Charles Lindenberg, he was the first one to, first man. I thought that, and she was, apparently, she hated that nickname, and I'm like, yeah, I can understand why, because she had no relation to this guy, and they're like, Lady Lindy, like, no, she's freaking Amelia Earhart, you know, call her Amelia Earhart. (sighs) I get that it's catchy, but stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Just, just the fact that she's a very famous pilot. (laughs) Yeah. So on May 20th, 1932, she took a solo flight across the Atlantic, being the first woman to do this nonstop and alone. It was 15 hours from Newfoundland to Ireland. Supposed to go to Paris, but she had bad weather, so she had to land on a farm in Ireland, which 15 hours flying just seems, you can't take a break, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like you're solo in this plane. You have to get yourself from point A to B. I get sleepy driving a car for six hours. This is 15 hours, so you have to be very aware. Like, there's no automation to the extent that we have today. So I just can only imagine the extent of this flight. And 15 hours, that's a long time. I think the most I've ever done was 13, and that's exhausting. You drove 13 hours? No, 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 but sat on a plane. (laughs) (laughs) Sat on a plane. That was tough. (laughs) And I could, you could sleep. And I could sleep and I could watch movies and I was being fed and like I had a bathroom option. I can only imagine and like temperature control, you know what I mean? I mean, it must have been freezing. I mean, I don't imagine it being super, I don't know, insulated or whatnot. And then again, the hours, it's just so long. I mean, maybe it's blissful, but can you imagine being just alone in your thoughts for 15 hours? Like you're, there are no podcasts to listen to. There's no music to listen to. 
There's nobody yeah. to talk to. Well, I guess you could talk to people over like the um, radio, radio, but I don't think that that's yeah. what that's for. <laughs> Hi, yeah, like, Lily. <laughs> that's a lot of time to think. So that was across the Atlantic. And then she did the same thing, but across the U.S. And she was the first solo woman to do that. And that was 19 hours. So <laughs> it's a long oh ass gosh. time. That is such a long time. I would just be, it's just something not relatable. Like I'd be so scared. <laughs> I just don't know. You must be so, I mean, I can imagine the adrenaline helps you, but adrenaline can't last 19 hours, right? Like oh, yeah. I wonder what she drank to. Oh, actually, no, I did read what she, um, when she went on her flight around the world, yeah, woman who is her companion, we'll talk about him later, he would always drink coffee, and at stops, she would get tomato juice, and he would make fun of her for drinking tomato juice. It's like, really, Amelia? Is all you have to keep awake tomato juice? <laughs> oh my god, it's Incredible. such an alert person. Just getting those veggies in. <laughs> Yeah, so that's kind of her accomplishments before her attempt around the world. Now we can get into the on-the-record account of what happened when she went missing. Exactly. So through this specific situation is kind of where the conspiracy theories begin. But I think it takes a minute to kind of go back a little bit to know, like, what happened. So on the record... For her attempt to fly around the world, she went around with um, her flying companion. Her navigator was Fred Noonan, who was an extremely experienced navigator, and she specifically chose him. It was in 1937, very close to her 40th birthday, and she was quoted saying, I have a feeling that there is just about one more good flight left in my system. Very ominous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So they originally, they left Oakland, California, going westbound. So they went to Honolulu, and then on March 20th, they went to take off from Honolulu. They actually crashed. They had to, that was March 20th, so the plane had to get fixed. Her plane is called the Electra, and June 1st, it went back to Oakland, and June 1st, they left again, but they decided to go east this time. Yeah, I think they went to Miami, and then they might have mm -hmm. gone to South America, and then Africa, mm -hmm. um, and then a few spots in Asia, or stops in Asia. Mm -hmm. By June 29th, they arrived in Papua New Guinea. Uh, they stayed there for a couple days, and they left on July 2nd and headed for Howland Island. And at this time, they had already completed 22,000 miles, and they really only had 7,000 miles left, which is crazy. So really, they had a majority done. So on July 2nd, they departed Papua New Guinea and headed for Howland Island. And Howland Island is a tiny little island. Um, it's almost on the equator, and it's between Papua New Guinea and Hawaii. They flew into some cloudy intermittent rain showers, and this made Noonan's favored method of tracking celestial navigation very difficult. There was a U.S. Coast Guard cutter, the Itasca, and that was stationed off of Howland Island, and they were basically there just to form communication with Amelia to get her to land on Howland Island. And there were, it was clear that there were some technical difficulties going on because they were receiving voice transmissions from Earhart and they could hear her just fine. They could hear, hear her, 
but it was very apparent that she could not hear them and she was over time getting more you could tell that she was getting more and more like scared and anxious some people think that the antenna had ripped off when they had taken oh. off so like that could be the reason why the communication was just getting lost gotcha she there were quotes of her saying we must be on you but we cannot see you and gas is running low and they said that like with each one was getting a little more panicked and she was telling them to go on certain frequencies and they were going on them and they were speaking to her, but she was clearly not um, able to hear them. And she was clearly having difficulties finding the island. They should have landed in. Oh, oh no, I was just going to say, and on record, it just, she said like she was going to repeat those same words, essentially. It's just kind of omnibus. They should have landed in 19 hours on Howland Island, but they never did. They immediately started searching for them, and they knew, well, they knew that she was off course, obviously, because she didn't get there, but they thought that they had a pretty good idea of what direction she was in because she was trying to give them her coordinates. So they were looking for the plane in the water or any wreckage, and they couldn't. They stopped the search on July 9th, which actually, (laughs) it was only a week. Like, that's kind of... I know. It wasn't (laughs) that long, and... Yeah, I don't know. But I guess, I guess when it's such a vast, like, ocean... I don't know. Like, at what point is, Right, you have to give up at some point. So they spent $4 million and covered 250,000 square miles. Yeah, that's a lot of ocean. And I think, too, back on the home front, and I think even internationally, like, I think a lot of people were very much invested in her travels. So to hear that this had happened with only so much miles left of her journey to complete Mm -hmm. this goal, I think so many people were invested in it. Um, in like the story of all. Yeah. And it was a huge deal. Like everybody was following her whenever they would land in a different area, they got greeted mm-hmm. and they got shown a really, really good time. Cause everybody around the world knew that she was trying to do this. So it was a big deal. Yeah. There was a lot of um, press and everything on this. For sure. Did you see like videos of people at movie theaters and it was kind of not an ad before the movie, but essentially the news and it would show like Amelia Earhart like preparing oh, for this no. journey. That's yeah. cool. Really, it got a lot of buzz. So you can only imagine with so much press on the journey, how much press she got afterwards. Since 1988, there have been 11 Tiger missions, expeditions. Um, it's an organization that tries to solve mysteries and it's T-I-G-H-A-R. Um, so I don't know if that's Tiger or T-R. Tiger. Um, And so they're obviously trying to figure out what happened to Amelia and looking into the possibility that they may, that Amelia and Fred may have made an emergency landing on the island of Nikumaroro. Alina? Yeah, I I think you pronounced that correctly. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely a hard one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's also known as Gardner Island. I don't know if that's... I think that was its former name. Okay. That's probably like yeah. a colonization type of thing, and then they put it back to where it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. Okay. In the Republic of Kiribati, maybe? Maybe. <laughs> uh, and the plane is still missing, but in 2014, Tiger researchers found an anomaly on the seafloor off of the island, and it needs a closer examination. I'm 
assuming that it hasn't been examined due to funds. I also agree. So actually, back when she originally went missing, Navy planes searched this particular island from above. And they didn't see her plane or anything, but I don't know, yeah, I don't know how well they would have been able to see anything, slash, just the plane. Right. And she might not have crashed literally on the island. It might have been in the water, and then they, you know, swam to shore, potentially. Which I thought was a very interesting, because, I don't know, I thought planes, like, you can only see so much, you know what I mean? Maybe Maybe the water is super clear, I don't know. Yeah, like, submarines, I would have imagined, to go find, but... Ultimately, they were not able to find her body, so she essentially was pronounced dead. And ultimately, Amelia's disappearance and her inability to complete this goal. Um, There is a lighthouse constructed under her name at Howland Island, um, which is a nice little memento for her life and her career, and I think definitely that is something she would have appreciated. So I was thinking, you know, all the hypes on Amelia, which obviously we love Amelia. We love you her. Know, she's great. But I'm like, you know what? I don't know the name of the woman who actually did, like, completed the task. Like, mm. That's kind of messed up, you know? Yeah. Do I only know Amelia because she failed? Like, ugh. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to say, like, I guess she did fail, but... Um. <laughs> Um, <laughs> tried. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was an obstacle. But yeah, so I just felt bad. And so I looked it up and it's Geraldine, uh, also known as Jerry, Frederick's Mock. Uh, and she completed the flight around the world in 1964. Uh, she did it in 29 stops or 29 days and 21 stopovers. So... Good job, Jerry. Um, yeah. Good to know ya. <laughs> good to know ya. Also, just note how much later that was accomplished. Yes. 1964 compared to Amelia's 1930 or, yeah, 1938, right? 37, yeah. 37. That's a significant difference. I guess technically Jerry did it solo and Amelia did not do it solo. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that still shows, like, how much time it took. Which makes me wonder, was the capabilities there, but there was just no female pilots that wanted to do this task? Yeah, probably. I think the pool was probably low. And then, mm-hmm. I don't know how funding worked. Right. I know her. I know Amelia's was funded because, you know, it was a big thing, you know. But maybe right. a lot of people got scared to do it after she went missing. <laughs> You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like not really the most encouraging thing. <laughs> yeah. If Amelia can't do it, <laughs> then who um. can? The first theory we're going to talk about is really interesting. And this is the castaway theory. So we're going to set up the scene. And the scene is you know, she had crashed in the water, her and Newman crashed in the water, and they could have still survived, right? So they could have swam and drifted to an island. And that nearby island would have been the Niku Mararo <laughs> Islands. So on this island, interestingly enough, human bones and a shoe was found in the 1940s. So it kind of aligns with the timeline of like Amelia Earhart 
um, crashing and that could have been a place where maybe she did land. And the bones that they found determined that they were of a European 5'6 male. And Amelia was five foot nine, so that kind of takes that as kind of out as a contender in like the theory, but it is interesting to report about these like human bones that was found of a European descent. So then fast forward to the 1990s and some doctors looked at the report and they were like, wait a minute, hold up. It's a trapper. Okay, that's like a TikTok reference. Oh my God. <laughs> For our young ones out there. Oh God. For young listeners. And so yeah, they were like, hold up. They re-examined what was on the report and determined that the original doc was wrong. Gasp. <laughs> and now it really could possibly be Amelia because this report was wrong. What really got them was her forearms. So in this report, it had this person or yeah, this person had unusually long forearms. And when you look at photos of Amelia, you will notice that she does have longer forearms than normal, which is like kind of funny now that I'm yeah. saying it out loud. <laughs> like how judgmental. <laughs> like how judgmental? Like, I don't know. I feel like that's like examining someone's like ankles, like do they have ankles <sighs> or not? <sighs> but yeah, so because of that re-examination of this report, it really does kind of open up this case that could that possibly be Amelia Earhart? And the original bones that were found are now gone. Right. So we do not know where the bones are. Bones are up and missing, which, you know, on first thought, it's like, oh, that's suspicious. Where did these bones go? But then I was thinking about it. And, you know, like if they thought in the 40s that this was just some like run of the mill man, like they didn't give a, you know, they didn't care who this was because they thought it was a guy and they like tossed it out thinking it wasn't Amelia. Mm-hmm. then yeah, why would they take care of those bones? You know, like, of course some intern's gonna misplace those bones because they didn't label them possibly Amelia. They just labeled them like some random guy. So it is unfortunate, but we don't have the bones. So nobody can actually measure them now to put in our like modern technology what they could possibly be. So what we're basing this off of is basically just measurements that they took and wrote down on the site or whatever. Yeah, which is very unfortunate because could you imagine what we could have discovered? I know. So uh, earlier I mentioned that not only were the human bones found, but there was a shoe and the shoe seemed to be a woman's shoe. Hmm. Question mark, question mark. (laughs) Like Amelia Earhart is a woman. A liquor (laughs) bottle (laughs) and a box with a nautical navigational device, which would have been the same as Noonan used for backup. So it's just a few of these items could possibly correlate to these people, you know, Amelia and Noonan. Another fascinating thing was there was a broken piece of freckle cream bottle was found and it was known that Amelia didn't like her freckles. So really wouldn't be crazy for her to take this cream with her. And again, with her being so famous and like being mostly in like the public eye, especially on this journey, like it wouldn't be far fetched that she would have something of like a beauty product to take care of herself on this journey. Interestingly, there were some bird and turtle remains were found by the bones along with the campfire evidence. So it definitely tells the story that somebody lived on the island. Who could it be? We have no idea, but it definitely gives some sort of sign of life, essentially, is what I'm feeling. 
I really like the part where they talk about a piece of metal was found on the island with rivets to match the Electra, which was the name of their plane that they flew. And Tigger, Tigar, thinks that this is proof and that this would have matched the size of a patch that would have fitted for the Electra along the route to place a damaged window that they had made. So it kind of aligns to the story of like their plane and what it had been through. My only thing when I read this was like, well, I mean, they could have still crashed into the ocean, but possibly it could have washed up on land, right? I don't know how you feel, but... The piece of metal itself? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just, like, all the other things that are on the island. Like, somebody was definitely there. And it's just, like, how many people are just hanging out? Like, this island is in the middle of nowhere. Exactly. Um, And I think the big thing is the campfire evidence. Because that is not something that an animal, per se, would, like, start up. Right. And the bones. Yeah. The burns of, like, a bird and, like, a turtle, maybe. Yeah, but no, I mean, like, the human bones. Oh, yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Of course. Of course. (laughs) It all just adds up together. So... All of these things just kind of, you know, it makes you wonder, was this person, whoever was on the island, you know, the human bones, the campfire, the piece of metal, like, could this have been Amelia Earhart and Noonan and or? Yeah. And one little fun fact that I read was that this little girl, I think she was a teenager, Betty Clink of Florida. While, like, on the day that Amelia Earhart went missing, she was perusing the radio. She was going through every station. She was going through every frequency, trying to listen to something. And she happened upon one that was Amelia Earhart's voice saying, this is Amelia Earhart. Help me. And she claimed she could hear a woman crying and arguing with a man who seemed delirious. She copied what she heard in her notebook and she gave it to her father and her father reported it to the local Coast Guard. And they said that everything was under control, like, don't worry about it. And she kept the notebook and showed Tiger Tigar um, in 2000. And I thought that was interesting because immediately... I think like, oh, she just made it up. Like, obviously that's immediately what you think of. However, I don't know. She was, a, she was probably a big fan of Amelia. Mm-hmm. And she, I mean, she did, like, I'm not saying that she heard things, but she mm-hmm. probably wanted to hear something from Amelia. But on the same token, like if you think, so if, if you made up a story that you heard Amelia Earhart, why would you keep the notebook for decades? Mm-hmm. because for me, like, if I was going through my childhood bedroom and I found this notebook, I was like, oh, yeah, that was a dumb prank I pulled, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm gonna throw this out. That's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. But, like, if I really believed I heard it, yeah, I'm gonna keep on to that. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's like, an interesting thing, and I was, yeah. I, I thought, like, is that even possible? And, I don't know, I saw something on the internet and it said it could be possible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was a reliable source, but, uh, yeah, it said that it could be possible. I don't know. Yeah, I definitely question, like, the frequency. Like, if she's all the way down in Asia and, you know, Betty from Florida can pick up, you know, the signal, that is quite impressive. (laughs) Betty, she's just trying to find a good tune in 1937. Yeah. I start to lose my favorite radio station when I travel across the state. I can only imagine (laughs) how intense her radio was. Yes, I don't know. So, I think this is... A really good theory, and I would love to hear, where's your tinfoil hat at? 
Um, thank you for asking. Um, I'm like, it's on my head. Yeah, same. I think it's on my head too. It's not over my ears, but it's sitting on my head. Yeah. It's really the freckle cream that gets me if I want, if I'm going to be honest. Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. why is there freckle cream? And obviously if it's, well, I shouldn't say obviously, but obviously (laughs) if it's freckle cream, it's probably a woman on the island. And what other woman would be on this middle of nowhere island? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, so it is very it is on my head. How about you? It, it's definitely on me. I completely agree. I think the positioning is aligned with yours. Like it's not like over my ears, but I think it's like beyond the like coronation, you know, stage. Mm-hmm. I, I could definitely believe it. I don't think it's that far fetched that they would have, you know, if they did crash, like, you know, swam or got to this island. I don't know if both of them did, but it is very interesting to see human remains, you know, like fire, the freckle cream, you know, the thing washing up um, from the plane. So I don't know. I think it definitely could have been a thing. It's not that far-fetched. Yeah. Okay. So the next theory we're going to dive into is kind of a fun one. It is the spy theory. Ooh. Ooh. So this theory basically sets up where she's alive, right? Like the plane has crashed and she is alive. And previous to that, the flight, right, was that she was a spy and was actually taken down by the Japanese and held as a prisoner. In this theory, there is just like a lot of comments and speculation about this because there have been multiple like military service men to like vouch and say that like this is real that they saw them as like prisoner that's wild yeah um a photo was taken and it had figures in the background that looked like it could have been the two of them on the marshall islands And this was recently released in the archives in 2017. So people are now able to examine this photo and kind of make sense of it, of what they will. And it does look, you know, two people and just like the timing of it, like, could that have been them? Like, were they the two? You can, um, you can, you can see the photo on our Instagram page at Bear Roots Pod. It's pretty interesting and i so the marshall islands were a territory of japan Mm. Uh, they were owned by japan and my thing is so the photo is obviously it's 1937 like it's not the most clear photo um the people in the photo are at a distance Mm -hmm. um however my thing is photographs weren't common these days you know in that time so you're only going to take photos of significant things so like who are these people if they aren't you know like they have to be significant individuals and they're definitely the guy in the photo he again the quality isn't great but he has the hairline of fred noonan Mm -hmm. and then the woman is kind of sitting on the ground and she is kind of like a profile almost so it's a little bit hard to tell she either has short hair like amelia Earhart did or it's like pulled up so there's that and there's a Japanese ship in the background and it's towing a barge and the picture cuts like right 
after the barge, but like what you can see, it is a plane like object. Again, it's not like super clear, but it's definitely towing something and it's definitely something that's like the size of what the plane would be. They did like, I don't know, tests on the image and it was estimated to be 38 feet in length, which is the length of the Electra. Imagine if the person who had taken that photo had just panned it over ever so. I know, or like zoomed in. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you could, you probably, you had to like literally pick up the camera and bring it yeah. <laughs> And get um, close. Definitely check out the photo on our Instagram because it is interesting. Definitely. And I think a good question in bringing up the photo is why did it take so long to release? And was it because the government knew that she had made it back alive? And a lot of the times these government things, I really want to say it takes 50 years for them to declassify things. Mm. Um, so if it just released like in the archives, it's just, huh, why was this being held back from the public? You know, yeah. like it makes it just more that could be them because you were hiding it sort of situation. In Japan's defense, like coming back from this theory is that they had no records that they were in their custody. I mean, I think it's one of those things. I mean, I don't know how it would work if you had like prisoners. How detailed would you make it is my question, you know? Well, like, and my thing is like, it's so easy to, to destroy records. Yeah, yeah. You know, like literally just take them out and burn them. You know, like it's very easy to, it's not on the, you know, on the computer where you have to do, you know, like. Exactly. It should be fairly easy to, and of course, if they did have her, they might not want us to know that they have her. Mm -hmm. well, I don't know if she was like a bargaining chip or whatever, but like, I think it would be, you know, I'm not saying currently Japan destroyed right. the records, but I think like maybe previous Japan yeah. might have destroyed the record. And or I don't think it's out of the question that they would destroy the record. Yeah, like, and did they even have a policy in place to, like, word? Like, I don't know, you might think so, but like, I could easily see that just falling between the cracks. Oh, we're just gonna keep them prisoner, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, why do we need to record them? To what use is that for us? A big thing that people have been interviewed, like I said, were military men that were on this island, and that veterans said that they had found her briefcase on this Whoa. island. And the man was like, oh my God, like I found a briefcase with cash. Like I'm so excited. And so he took a moment to himself to like open up this briefcase and it said that it had her stuff inside with like cash and belongings of her stuff like, in this briefcase. That is like the common theme is this briefcase was found and mm -hmm. they claimed that it was like Amelia Earhart. And it's just one of those things that, I don't know, you'd like to think that your elders would not lie it's just very interesting, like, that multiple people have said that they had seen her briefcase. That was, like, a big thing. And that they would interview the natives on the island, and they would say, have you seen Amelia Earhart? Um, like, have you seen this man? Like, you know, like a white man? And the people would say, yes, yes, we saw her plane. Apparently, in the theory, allegedly, that the U.S. covered it up and that um, it was not her. The area in which they were, like, imprisoners, supposedly in their jail cell, Amelia Earhart had wrote her initials, like, in the jail cell, and the natives had said that, like, oh, yes, like, we've seen a woman, like, a white woman. This is the jail cell that she was in. Isn't it a veteran? that saw this yeah exactly yeah. a veteran and he's like saying this so convincingly he's yes that is true and then apparently 
when they interviewed like the natives, they said that this is the area in which they had died. They essentially oh. killed her and the guy in Noonan. They were prisoners. And then like, this is where like her grave was. So it's like all very interesting stuff. My only thing with this theory is I wonder, I mean, how many white women and men were there? Do you know what I mean? Was that a common thing? Maybe they didn't know who Amelia Earhart was, but could it have been just a white person, like another white person, if it was already like military people on uh, um, islands, like U.S. military presence? So it's just one of those things I'm like, I could easily see like a native not knowing, but saying like, yes, like especially lost in communication. That was her. I think the big things for me is the initials supposedly written on the wall. That's kind of interesting. Although Mm. I don't know. I kind of feel like that seems more storytelling to me. And I mean, there were more people in the world than just her that have those initials. You know, it was literally Amelia Earhart. (laughs) But that could have been another, that could have been a soldier. Exactly. Maybe. And then the briefcase is kind of interesting. And I only say that because a couple people mentioned the briefcase. And it's just mm-hmm. like, again, why would you lie about that, you know? So it's just very fascinating. I just, I'm curious. I mean, I guess the briefcase would have her name on it, right? Like, return to Amelia, you know? Right. Yeah. But I'm just like, how did you know it was Amelia's, you know? And right. just like, how do you know what her belongings are? Unless it's like a picture of her and her husband in there or something, you know? Like, I wonder what was in, specifically, what was in the suitcase that made them think it was hers. Exactly. And would there have been any, like, water damage to her belongings, too? Yeah. You might, like, suspect. It's just very interesting. So, I don't know. What do you think about this series, Shannon? Like, where is your tinfoil hat? I think it's, like, dangling over my head. It's not on. I think the photo is really curious. hmm But it is really grainy, and it's definitely hard to make out. But it does, like, get me a little excited. Like, it just gets me, like, hmm. I wonder, yeah. you know. And again, like, I think we're so significant that why did they take this photo a seemingly, like, normal thing? If Mm -hmm. it wasn't significant, but I could see how that could be construed in a different way, you know? I think for me, mine's like in my hand. Like I see it and I hear it, but there's just like a few things that are like adding up. Not even, it's not that they don't add up. I just can see you were saying how like something like the photo could be, you could convince yourself it is her, but then you could also see how it could not be, you know? Right. So a very mini theory, it's super minor, um, but there was a theory that Fred Noonan, her navigator, was a semi-alcoholic, and there were reports of him drinking somewhat heavily on the stopovers, and her husband, so she would call her husband every time she landed in a place, and one of the last times she called him, she was telling him, and he was on the phone and there were a couple other people listening in um, like in the room with him she said you know he asked her how she was doing and she said that she was having personnel problems so that made him nervous and that like Fred Noonan was getting a little unruly and maybe unreliable um, but because of the time and because you know personnel versus personal she could have been talking about personal problems and that could be any number of things. He and the three people or, you know, the people in the room with him were really adamant about her saying personnel problems, but she didn't go into exactly what that was. She just kind of said it as an offhand thing. And because he was a navigational 
person and clearly they have navigational problems trying to find Howland Island. It is just a little theory, you know, he was drunk. They were almost home. I mean, they were 7,000 mm-hmm. miles away, but they were <laughs> in... Uh, <laughs> They've um, done the majority of the Yeah, they were journey. almost home. But I do want to say that when I looked up this theory a little bit more, there were multiple people who said that he was not a drunk and it's a um, dishonor to his name by you know, after he's dead, mm-hmm. calling him a drunk. So, like, this, again, is just a theory. I mm-hmm. hope he wasn't a drunk. And there was one guy that said that he used to work with him and he got fired because he was drinking on the job. And then somebody else was saying, like, no, 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 he was never, he never got drunk. He That never happened. So mm-hmm. just putting it out there could be completely fabricated. But it seems like that call from Amelia to her husband was real and... We don't know what she meant by personnel or personal problems. Yeah, because you could definitely understand the personal stress that she would be going through. And you would also have to think, too, that she handpicked him. I'm going to, you know, take a wild guess and say that she's a smart lady. And, you know, (laughs) she would go with her gut. And I feel like she would just, she wouldn't have picked him for this long journey, this important journey if he was a drunk, so... Right, she definitely trusted him. Yeah, she definitely trusted him. So, it is interesting to hear, and... I mean, it's definitely a possibility, you know, in terms of who doesn't like to have a drink, but then, again, I don't know. I just don't fully think that he might have done it on, like, the job to an extensive amount. Yeah, that's not really a theory. We don't need to do a tin tinfoil hat rating, um, but I just would throw it out there. Yeah. I kind of agree um, that this story, too, it's just kind of like another tidbit. There was this woman named Irene Bolum. And so basically, essentially, the theory is that she is alive and that Amelia Earhart is actually Irene Bolum. So Earhart went to New Jersey after this trip, basically created like a whole new name for herself, taking on this name of Irene and becoming a banker. The only thing is that this theory kind of doesn't work at all because the woman, the Irene Bolum, denied being Amelia Earhart and actually denied it so much so that she sued for $1.5 million the people who have created this theory that she was Amelia Earhart. And I believe I didn't dive into it, but I'm assuming it kind of goes off of looks and the reason why she must have been picked out as Amelia Earhart. People think that kind of going in with like the spy theory that she would have been in like intelligence grouping. And so that's why she would have kind of recreated a whole new name and lifestyle because she was this intelligence worker. So critics of the spy theory point out that no government documents support the idea that Amelia Earhart was a US spy. So nothing has been found. And again, that's not really a tinfoil hat because the woman literally denied and sued. Um, But wouldn't Amelia do that if she was trying to cover it up? Possibly. Who knows? So my tinfoil is like on the shelf. It's not even in the same room as me. Like (laughs) (laughs) you're not even in the tinfoil hat room. (laughs) We're not even in the same room. So just again, by the sheer denying and the suing, it's just, it's a lot, a lot for the, the people who are involved in that, in the theory. No. Yeah, I agree. I think it's interesting, but I just don't really know it seems like a lot of hassle just to make Amelia Earhart a spy. Like, couldn't you just make her a spy and not make her go around the world? Yeah. 
you know, like just let her fade out of the public eye. Exactly. But why did you have to make her go around the world and then fake this disappearance and then do spy stuff and then come back? Just let her be a spy if you want her to be a spy. Yeah, and I think in that role, you would probably want to lay low. I doubt you would want all this press on you. Right. Just the skills that she had to do. It's just, it's just a lot. But that concludes the Amelia Earhart conspiracy theory episode. Like we said, I think she is such an inspirational woman that I just wanted to kind of end it with a quote that she said about her journey and her being a pilot. And she says, quote, please know I am quite aware of the hazards. I want to do it because I want to do it. Women must try to do things as men have tried. When they fail, their failure must be but a challenge to others, end quote. So just again, something inspirational, you know, she was doing it to set precedence and um, really being an inspiration for all in between her success and I don't want to say it was a failure, but just, you know, in her trying to do so, mm-hmm. it says a lot about her, you know, versus the person who doesn't want to do it, aka I wouldn't, you know? <laughs> right. She was definitely extremely brave. She <laughs> is a Gryffindor through and through. Through and through is a Gryffindor. Through and through. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that's the Amelia Earhart episode. Yes. So thank you guys so much for listening to our episode. We had so much fun talking about Amelia Earhart and we hope you guys enjoyed it just as much as we did in researching and talking about this. Please be sure to go check out our Instagram page at Bare Roots Pod. That's where we're going to have exclusive content between the photos we were talking about. Um, just some fun social media things I guess you could say and we're just trying to build our community so please go join us we love you guys we love the brutes so much talk to you next week bye bye